How do you say goodbye? It depends, I suppose, on the relationship. Where and how it began. What it has grown into. And what will become. For Jesus preparing to leave the intimate community of his disciples, it seemed to have been a very long process. Almost from the beginning, he gently and sometimes in exasperation exclaimed and explained that the course of his life was following would lead to profound changes in their lives. So he began to say goodbye. Jesus' farewell conversations with the disciples occupy four whole chapters in the Gospel of John, in which he teaches them not only about their identity and mission, but also explicitly prepares them for his departure and their lives in his absence. Jesus tells them, Remember that I will always be with you, but that soon I will be with you in a different way. Say goodbye to the old way. Today we hear a portion of the high priestly prayer from the farewell discourse, a prayer Jesus prays before his death in the presence of his closest circle of friends, an anguish and torn goodbye, an interior monologue that expresses his intimacy with and love for both God and his disciples. The prayer draws the disciples, the church, and the world into a language of promise. Jesus intercedes on behalf of his friends, entrusting the hope of the future of his followers to God in prayer. His focus, his words, his posture are all directed towards God. It is not the conventional prayer of a dying man. It is a stunning review of the fullness of his life. The prayer of the one who lived life boldly and completely, even unto death. In it, we glimpse the promise of the intimacy and love of a relationship with God that is ours while we are in the world. And through it, Jesus declares to hold God accountable for the protection the unity and the identity of his community of faith in his absence. Jesus hands those whom he has loved back to God and, hold God and holds God accountable to God's promise for this community of love. Although it occurred in John's gospel prior to the crucifixion, it is given to us on this Sunday after the Ascension, that brief and breathless transition between the farewell and the future, what has been and what has yet to be. As Jesus was lifted up out of their sight with hands raised together in a blessing, was it a blessing or was it goodbye? As his figure diminished to the infinite distance, they stood astonished. 
They wondered what to make of this event and worried about its implications for themselves. I imagine the author, John, crafting this gospel some 60 years post-crucifixion, thought it was important to stay in a community of disciples in their belief in Jesus as the Son of God. Therefore, to strengthen their resolve to withstand inevitable fierce opposition. In doing so, John reminded those who had never met Jesus in the flesh that Jesus was still present, but in a new way. Not in the way that he had been, but in a real way, in an immediate way, in the constant forming of a community of faith, reflecting the oneness of Jesus with God in their own relationships with each other and with God. They were invited to accept the love of God in community, just as Jesus accepted the free flow of love from the source of love and life and identity and hope. I also imagine that for the disciples, it seemed like an end of a dream too good to be true, all of it slipping out of their reach until Jesus was no longer there for them, no longer present but past, a memory that would haunt them to the end of their days. There is loss and grief in absence, but there is also hope, because what happened once can happen again, and only an empty cup can be filled. For it is only when we pull that cup out of hiding, when we own up to its emptiness, the absence, the longing inside, it is only then that things can begin to change. It is our sense of Jesus' absence, after all, that brings us to church in search of his presence. Like a band of forlorn disciples, we return to his side again and again. It is the place we lost track of him. It is that last place we saw him. So, of course, it is the first place anybody thinks to look for him to come again. We have been coming here a long time now, but even in his absence, it's good to remember him, to recall best moments and argue about the details, to swap old stories until they begin to revive again, the life flowing back into them like a numb limb. It hurts at first, but then it's fine. And the joy of remembering makes the pain seem a small price to pay. And while this step is vital, we know that it is only the beginning. Right after the ascension, angels were sent to remind God's friends that if they wanted to see Jesus again, it was no use in looking up. Better, they should look around instead at each other, the world, the ordinary people in their ordinary lives, because that is where they were most likely to find him. Not 
in the way that they used to know him, but in a new way, not in his own body, but in their bodies, the risen, the ascended one, who was no longer anywhere on earth so that he could be everywhere instead. No one standing around watching them that day could have guessed what astounding things happened when they stopped looking into the sky and they looked at each other instead. On the surface, it was not a great moment. Eleven abandoned disciples with nothing to show for their following. But in the days and the years to come, it would be very apparent what had happened to them. With nothing but a promise and a prayer, those 11 people consented to become the church. And nothing was ever the same again, beginning with them. The followers became leaders. The listeners became preachers. The converts became missionaries. The healed became healers. The disciples became apostles, witnessing of the risen Savior by the power of the Holy Spirit. That was probably not the way they would have planned it. But Jesus went away, and they stood looking up towards heaven. Then they stopped looking up towards heaven and looked at each other instead and got on with being the church. And once they did that, amazing things began to happen. They began to say things that sounded like him, and they began to do things that they had never seen anyone do but him do before. They became brave and capable and wise. Whenever two or three of them together gathered together, it was as if they were there always, and as if there was someone else in the room with them whom they could not see, the strong abiding presence of the absent one, as available to them as bread and wine, as familiar to them as each other's faces. It was almost as if it had not ascended but exploded, so that all the holiness that once was concentrated in him flew everywhere, flew far and wide so that the seeds of heaven were sown in the fields of the earth. Jesus prays to God for the disciples and for us that we may know where we have come and to whom we belong. In his absence, we take rest in the blessing that comes when we serve others by shining the light of the world into the shadow of death. When we are about his work of peacemaking, justice-making, liberation and transformation at home, among churches, in communities, and to the end of the earth. With Jesus' prayer and promise and spirit, we are able to create spaces of blessing wherever we find ourselves 
look around you. Look all around you. Look around. Amen.